Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 17 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Adam, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, we've had a bit of an extended break since the last time. I don't even remember what we were talking about last time. ECW, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it feels like ages ago, actually. <laughs> it does. That's, I put my hands up, that's my fault. Um, we've been away for an extra week um, with the kids, so uh, yeah, it's been nice to have a wee break. What have you been up to? Um, yeah, I've just been working, you know, carrying the can, you know, <laughs> somebody has to do it, so yeah, now I've um, been enjoying a little bit of the weather and... Uh, I mean, for Scotland, it's been ridiculously sunny and warm, Um, and I I can only take so much of it, but I do quite enjoy it these days, just even sitting out in the garden and things like that, so just uh, enjoying that kind of thing, and um, I have to say, not watching very much current wrestling still. No? Um, Have you been watching anything interesting? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have been watching Love Island, of course. I've, I've never really been into that one. Um, no, I, I I spend more time, I think, looking for things to mm. watch than actually watching anything. That seems to be the way now. That's the curse, isn't it? Yeah. We've got too much choice these days, us millennials. That's the problem. I just got offered Disney Plus or six months for free, so I might take that because I've never been on there before, so there might be some things on there. There's some good stuff on it these days. It's not just all kids stuff. Um, mm. That sounds dodgy, but like it's not just like um, Disney shows. They've they've got a wide range of stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, that, since the last time I spoke to you, we've started the. It's been so long ago that we watched that I can't remember what it's called. The leftovers. Um, oh yes. But yeah, we've been away. The, the only real thing that I've watched is WrestleMania 14 during a five-hour car journey, much to my my wife's disgust. So, <laughs> <laughs> and much to my seven-year-old's joy. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so here we are, WrestleMania 14. Um, we're at the back end of March with the WWF again. Um, since we last saw them, which was No Way Out of Texas. Um, everything's been built at this, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so we said the last time during our ECW episode that we were probably going to uh, come to this this podcast a little differently to some of these other shows that we've just kind of been going through and, and talking about uh, what's been happening in advance of the show, how the pay-per-view went, and then the sort of fallout from it afterwards. Um during episode 8 of our of our podcast, we, we ranked our top 5 WrestleManias of the 80s and 90s, um, and Mania 14, which we're going to talk about today, was my number 1, and it was your number 2. Yeah. So we've talked about it at relatively great length already, and we, as far as I can remember, we did a bit of a match-by-match match breakdown at that time. Yeah. Um, I can certainly remember us taking up far too much time talking about <laughs> Aguila versus Takamichinoku. So, so we're we're not <laughs> going to do that today. Um, there's only so much time that we can talk about Jerry the King Lawler and his insulting um, lines in one <laughs> podcast. So, <laughs> we're going to go a little different. We're going to pinpoint a few of the key players and talk about their kind of journey. Um, which is really reflective of this WrestleMania and, and how WWF were doing things at this time. Um, this 
uh, I've written down here that this is arguably the most pivotal WrestleMania uh, in the company's history. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's probably accurate. We're they're right on the brink of um, the, the the Attitude Era, which is probably underway. But you know, it's it's still pretty early doors for it, and some of the major players are just about to emerge, really. Yeah. Um, and this WrestleMania and the show after are kind of the certainly the crowning moment moment for Austin, which we'll we'll talk through, but. So much happens in terms of storyline that that really uh, puts some of the the huge players to the forefront of the show. Uh, it, it feels like a, a pretty big moment. It does. It, it's, it's something that the WWF and I've heard Vince talking about before about um, WrestleMania is a kind of end of season, and the Raw after WrestleMania is the start of the new season. Um, and traditionally you'll get storylines will finish up and they'll come to a sort of natural end at Wrestlemania you'll have the sort of blow-off matches of feuds that have been building up all the way towards this and then the night after you sometimes get uh, some surprises, some returns people showing up that you don't expect to um, and certainly an opportunity for new storylines to kick off Um, and so that gives us a good opportunity here I think to to dig into um, to, to dig into that and to dig into wh- where people have come from and, and where they could potentially go yeah obviously this is all this isn't all new to us um, both of us have watched this sort of era of wrestling but I don't I don't remember everything I'm sure you don't remember everything as well um, yeah. and, and trying to think where people might go it's, it's kind of fun um, just sort of hypothet- hypothetically thinking this could be where this person might go and, and this could be where, where he might go so we can do a bit of that as well Yep, yeah that's fine Yeah, and I'm, I'm similar I, there's some things I do absolutely remember and actually the WrestleManiacs we watched it not that long ago um, even before preparing for this that was still pretty fresh in my mind there were bits of the Raw after that I remembered happening um, but even then, you know, we exchanged a, a few messages through the last couple of weeks, and I don't think either of us could clearly remember where things absolutely go from here. No. Some of the setups quite obvious in terms of long term direction and things like that. But uh, we mentioned, uh, I wonder who who's on the next pay per view, you know, because we couldn't quite figure that out yep. that easily. Certainly at the top of the card. Yeah, absolutely, and I have to admit that I've I've went ahead and and how do we look? Um, and, and being quite surprised at something, but then um, sort of remembered, and we can talk about that as well. Okay. Um, so just just reflecting on on obviously us watching up to this point, and it's only been three months worth of pay per views and, and wrestling that we've watched in 1998. But um, I think for both of us, we would feel that WCW is um, we're warming up to WCW. Yeah, yeah I, I think that we knew what we were getting from WWF. Although I think we've both been surprised at the kind of shallow depth of the roster that there yeah. is. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is surprising to me that that, that we're still within that eighty-three week period of WCW dominating the ratings. Yeah. Um, although two weeks removed from from the, the the Raw after WrestleMania is when the tide turns and and WWF finally uh, win the weekly ratings war 
Yeah, I think it. I think it actually it stays quite level pegging for a while as well after that, um, and then obviously it, it it only goes one way long term. But I think there were a, a few kind of high ratings from both shows for for a good run of weeks after this, and you can see, you know, some of the storyline. Like you say, WWE doesn't have that much depth and talent, but some of the storylines are really starting to bubble to the surface, which and and they're quite exciting. And yeah. some of the performers that are that are getting there and, and becoming feature guys on the show, um, WCW. I know that there was a a lot of factors, but I suppose we've looked at it sort of dipped in for a few weeks. Whereas maybe some people are a bit tired of what we are seeing and quite enjoying. Possibly, yeah. Really interesting this episode. Certainly the the, the raw after WrestleMania, which me looking back with my kind of rose tinted glasses is just this absolutely incredible episode, the best episode of Raw that I, that I ever remember watching. Um, and and going back and watching it, there's barely any wrestling on it. Um, yeah. I think there's about three or four matches. Yeah, uh, and it's all dominated by the the kind of uh, high uh, sort of uh, the the goodness me, I can't get my words out. <laughs> it's all dominated by the the feuds that are going on at the top of the card. Christ, right. I got it. Out. <laughs> got there eventually. Austin, that's, DX, that's... yeah. That's what absolutely leaps out to you. Because um, it's Austin DX, and then we can talk through as well the situation with The Rock as well, mm-hmm. which not it's not right at the top, and probably neither is Triple H at this point, but we we know where they're going yep. with it. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it, it, it probably... It looks to me like you've got Austin, and you've got guys like Undertaker as well, who you know are still there, and you can put at the top of the card at any time. But it feels like there's a little bit of a, a a gap between the very top and the next guys, and I think a lot of the next few months is about getting them ready, getting them in position, mm. um, because they they kind of need to get there quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and something that I'm I'm also it's, it's really interesting to look back now and uh, maybe we should get it. Maybe we should get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just check our notes to see. So. So, some some very short background. WrestleMania 14 coming to us for the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. And the only reason I say that is because <clears throat> I was really laughing during the Undertaker Kane match. Um, there's a guy in the crowd, and he's got a foam Austin middle finger hand, and he's screaming at Paul Bearer and giving him the finger with the um, with the foam finger. And it's just that Boston... It made me think of that scene in Ted where he starts speaking in the Boston accent. <laughs> and he's going, Bera! Hey, Bera! And giving him the, the middle <laughs> finger. I wonder what... Well, Paul Bearer's probably just sweating and shaking his his, <laughs> his mouth. But, yeah. Let's do this. Let's jump in. Um, the first person that we are... That we agreed that we'll talk about is Owen Hart. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off or do you want me to start off? Um, I'll start off just uh, in terms of sort of giving the little bit of background in terms of uh, where he is where at is. the moment going into this. Excellent. Um, so Owen is the um, the remaining heart after uh, the Montreal screw job took place. Just, what are we talking, six months before or something like that. Uh, maybe, maybe even less time than that. 
Um, he is being portrayed as the sole survivor. Um, I think, th- do they refer to him as Blackheart in yeah. this run as yeah. well? Yeah. Um, he is a guy they were, I think, keen to make the most of after all the controversy that happened before. Um, and you've got him... I don't know that they reference it on screen um, or how much they reference it, but there is a little bit of logic to him having animosity with Triple H. Um, He obviously is Shawn Michaels' buddy. Shawn Michaels is the one who benefited from what happened with the screw job. Um, Obviously, later we know was in on it and Hmm. all that, and Triple H was in on it as well but just from a storyline point of view I think it was it was quite natural for, for those two to, to have a bit of a feud um, we've gone through a, a story where he has exchanged the uh, European Championship with Triple H um, and then Triple H has, has had an injury but they've still kept their storyline going on between the two of them uh, we talked I think a little bit at Royal Rumble about the fact that uh, Triple H had played his part in eliminating Owen, even though he wasn't involved in the the Rumble match himself. Yep. So uh, yeah, they're I think they're they're playing up Owen as this loner, um, and he's obviously going up against an element of a group, which is uh, you know the the odds are not in his favour here, um, and we. We're going to see him facing Triple H at, at Mania for that European Championship. Yeah, and you've you framed it in quite a positive way there. Um, I, I feel that Owen can probably. F- I should probably not speak in the that that tense, but I, I felt s- sorry for Owen, and that this felt like a really good opportunity. Um, what happened with his brother obviously felt like a an opportunity to to kind of thrust him forward and thrust him into the next sort of tier. Um, I feel like certainly he's obviously he's competing for the European title here. It, there's a good opportunity to kind of see what he could do at the top level of the card. Um, yeah. Throw him in there with Shawn Michaels, and I don't know if they got cold feet. Obviously, Owen came back. I think in December. At, Generation X in your house and attacked Shawn Michaels and from there it kind of got passed down to Triple H Yeah, uh, it does feel like they they didn't see him at that level Um, I'm sure I've heard Bruce Pritchard speaking about this previously and you know he he wasn't saying it in as many words but I think what it came across is they they knew Austin was going to be the guy um, and that's where they wanted to get to but he couldn't really give an explanation as to why they couldn't have I mean nobody's asking for Owen v Michaels as main event of Mania you know you can still get there mm-hmm. they, they could have given Owen an opportunity for a programme you know just a few matches with uh, with Michaels but it never really happened No, it's strange like you've got. I, I can't remember how the Undertaker programme came about obviously they the Shawn Michaels and, and Undertaker were f- were feuding round about yeah. the back end there because they had the Hell in the Cell, the first ever Hell in the Cell match, didn't they? The yeah. back end in '97. Mm-hmm. Um, stick Owen in against Michaels at the Rumble. Triple H has to get involved. Then you've got a hook yeah. there. But um, I suppose that's neither here or there. The thing is, they, they were apparently desperate to keep him as well. He was, you know, this. 
all, all due respect to the others, but they, they weren't trying to keep Bulldog <laughs> or Nightheart. You know, they they wanted to keep Owen. But listen, they, sh- they should have watched Bulldog's WCW pay per view <laughs> uh, debut. <laughs> then they would uh, they might have been rethinking that. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, I can see why they would want to keep him because he's you know very skilled performer as well as being able to use this story of you know his family have been wronged but mm. um, I, I think had he been around a few years later and I'm sure we've discussed this before yep. he, he he might have got better opportunities to work with other really skilled wrestlers and that might have given him the platform to, to get to the top because when you think about you know Chris Benoit Eddie Guerrero Kurt Angle performers like that that will be in in the not too distant future yeah yeah a um, couple of years what, yeah and what he could have done with, with guys like those absolutely absolutely um, it's almost like with Owen and we'll see this as we go forward I guess but it's almost like with Owen he doesn't really fit in the direction that they're going yeah um, or that they can't see him fitting in and I can yeah. understand why and I know that there were instances that the, the timeline wouldn't be quite here, but it's probably not that far away where he was reluctant to do storylines that featured him with other women mm-hmm. and things like that. And he, I don't know if they, they just felt, well, if he's he's not keen to go that way, then it's limiting what they feel they can use him for. Maybe they wanted to put him in, a, in an angle with China. Maybe it wasn't women. It was just that it was China they were wanting to put him in the mm-hmm. angle with, and he was just like... Nah. nah, there was something I heard about <laughs> where, do you remember when he was uh, aligned with um, oh, Jeff Jarrett? Uh, they were oh, yeah. they were a tag team for a little while and yeah. they were with Deborah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was supposed to be some sort of storyline where Owen um, ended up kind of stealing Deborah away, but he, he nixed it. He just didn't didn't have any interest in that kind of thing as, as even a storyline. Um and maybe if you say no a lot yeah uh, opportunities start to to trickle away yeah yeah absolutely Um, thinking about their match at Mania and not going into too much detail but it's a it's a really good match yeah Um, I would say it's a highlight on the card but on this card you you struggle to find something that's not a highlight um, beyond you know like starting from this match beyond the light heavyweight title match um, this is a real cracker. Uh, these get these two obviously had really good chemistry together uh, yeah. in the ring, and the the whole aspect of China being handcuffed to Commissioner Slaughter and them having a chin off at the side of the <laughs> side of the ring was pretty good. Yeah, I just um, the only issue I had with that because I quite enjoyed the angle and I quite enjoyed the match as well. But um, I was thinking, surely, I mean, he's the commissioner. And uh, this logic trips you up a lot if it's wrestling, but he's the commissioner. She has thrown powder in his eyes. She's punched him or clotheslined. I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> but surely there's some pretty significant repercussions going to come out of the back of that, but it's apparently funny. not. It's really funny you say that because when I was watching the, the go, eh, sorry, the, the, the Raw after WrestleMania, I was thinking that no mention of China... <laughs> Uh, forearming and, and smashing up this guy <laughs> that's supposed to be some sort of authority, authority figure. Yeah. No mention of it. Poor yeah. Commissioner Slaughter. 
Yeah. I, I was I was also thinking it's a pretty good match, and you know the you get Triple H going over uh, with the the pedigree, um, and I was thinking I wonder how Owen feels about this. You know, apparently he as a guy just wanted to do a few more years and then retire. Mm-hmm. He had kind of everything planned out in his mind anyway. But yeah, I wondered whether he, with everything that's gone on uh, with. Uh, you know, behind the scenes with the screw job and all that, and he's working to help effectively build Triple H. You know, I just wondered what he would be thinking of that, or whether he's just going with it and thinking, I'm on the card, I'm getting paid, I'll give my best and have a good match. Yeah, yeah really, really difficult situation for him, you have to imagine, certainly backstage, yeah. but. Um, I suppose we don't know enough about that sort of stuff. But Appa- apparently, he was usually a guy that kind of got on with everyone. So maybe he just put it to the back of his mind and got on with things. Fair. Enough. I'm really struggling not to make crude jokes. So um, let's move forward. Okay. Hey, for me, this should have been probably a blow-off match. There's no one's not on the night after uh, yeah. WrestleMania Raw. Um, for me, this should have been the the end of it and Owen go on to something Triple H certainly goes on to something Um, so for me I'm surprised to see that they're fighting again for the European title at Unforgiven Okay, I haven't actually looked forward to to see what the card was going to be but that that is a bit surprising because it it feels like the end and especially with what happens the next night Mm -hmm. with Triple H which feels like a new beginning yeah, um, absolutely. So, so going back seems a little bit strange. Even even a an ex pack own heart or something like that would would seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um, like I think we spoke about it on text, but we both know that at some point he turns heel, he joins the nation, which we'll yeah. we'll come on to speak about, which again feels like trying to fit him in somewhere that he possibly doesn't really fit yeah I think it's a bit forced I mean they've they've gone with these uh, the the black heart the soul survivor and all that and then they align him with people because he feels he he can't win without some backing but it did feel forced oh no oh no yeah yeah agreed (laughs) (laughs) I was going to no. Nah. No. Nah. But, like, yeah. You can just imagine, you know, like, the impression you have of Vince is like, he's the black heart. Let's put him with the nation. <laughs> Somebody being uh, like, yeah. Other, I, I, was, I was also going to say, <laughs> like, that's just, like, the equivalent of putting him with DOA. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to take that any further, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> Because practically a year from now, no, I'm not. Sorry, he would end up. I mean, I feel like if yeah, it's maybe better if you just say it quickly and move on. End up, do you? Yeah. Okay. So at WrestleMania 14, Owen Hart was was fighting Triple H. However, I think we'll leave Triple H till a little bit further down the line. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Um, Should we talk about The Rock and The Nation and everything everything there? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go there. Okay. Um, Do you want to set us up the background again? You did a fantastic job with one. 
Hey, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got the the nation, um, which is Farouk, Dilo Brown, um, Kama, and The Rock, and then the the sort of recently introduced Mark Henry. Uh, just in terms of The Rock, who is really the at, at the forefront of what we're going to be talking about. Um, he he joins the nation after a pretty unsuccessful run as a, a baby face where he's getting booed out of most buildings he'd had a, a big push early on in his career as a, a real a slightly sickening baby face <laughs> uh, that, that comes in, gets the Intercontinental title there's a feeling he hasn't earned it, he hasn't deserved it his dad was a wrestler, his grandfather was a wrestler, a lot of cynicism about the position he's found himself in and people just don't People are moving away from liking that kind of babyface character. There's not enough behind it. There's not enough substance. So, um, die, Rocky, dies. Maybe probably the harshest like chant that wrestling <laughs> yeah. fans have ever done. Yeah, he's, he's been subjected to that chant, um, and then so he he gets injured, um, and then he's he's making his comeback, and the they they pitched him, I believe, unless it was his idea. I'm not too sure on that about being a heel. Uh, when he comes back and um, basically that that gives him license to you know have a a bit of a rant about the frustrations about the things that were chanted to him like die rocky die and and that kind of thing Um, and he he joins the nation and he's quite a good fit there you know he's he's a part of it but he, he still has the opportunity to shine and stand out just as he's coming through and developing um, and then he is going to get another run with the Intercontinental title I believe he he gets that when, when Austin's basically being moved away mm-hmm. from the Intercontinental title um, and I, I don't think he even wins it from him does he I think it's kind of relinquished yeah doesn't um, Austin launch it off a, off a bridge yeah, or something like that yeah and um, they, they've had quite a heated storyline but that's because they need to get that belt off Austin and he is moving on um, so The Rock will end up carrying the Intercontinental belt all the while he is kind of jockeying for position with Farouk within the nation um, Aust- uh, The Rock has some ideas a little bit above his station um, <laughs> and he, he's really it, it, it's, it's become clear that he's trying a lot of the time to undermine the leadership of Farouk uh, hilariously in a, in a lot of points <laughs> Um, we talked about yeah. that eye roll at the last pay-per-view. Yeah, that. I mean, it's it's just brilliant stuff. Um, he's got Farouk getting more and more frustrated with him, at, uh, his his antics. Um, and you've, you've got that going on all while his, his real intercontinental title storyline is going on, which is with Ken Shamrock. Uh, and we've already had a, a match where Shamrock um, should have won the title, or... Um, could have won the title and I believe that's the one where, where The Rock puts the he hits him with the, the brass knucks then puts them in Shamrock's shorts in the tights yep. in the tights really then, good finish uh, at the rumble Shamrock gets the win The Rock tells the ref the ref checks him overturns the result um, so it, it feels as we're going into the mania match between the two for the title that Shamrock's really got the upper hand and you're just kind of waiting for him to get his win um, and it's not it's not really that the Rock's playing a... You know, you get the cowardly heel champions who can't really hold their own and somehow just escape with it. 
it, their matches tend to be pretty competitive and pretty mm-hmm. back and forth. It's just like Shamrock just has the better of them each time, but then ruins it for himself yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways, uh, which plays really nicely into the the Mania match that they've got together. Yeah, and ag- again, the much like Triple H and Own Heart, these two have got cracking chemistry. Yeah, um, clearly they just work brilliantly together, and I, th- I think. Um, if any match on this card was to go forward, I would I'd like to see these two go again. Um, yeah. Again, another sort of inventive finish during this match, um, although probably less so as the Rumble um, finish, which you just talked about there with the brass knucks. But uh, Shamrock wins the match pretty fairly. Um, yeah. he, he the Rock taps out to the an- ankle lock after. Uh, Farouk's had the chance to help him out and, and decides not to bother uh, mirroring yeah. kind of what The Rock did to him uh, on on the Raw previous to WrestleMania where yeah. he came out with a chair Farouk told him to go away <laughs> and uh, The Rock gave him the eyebrow and smashed him over the head with it I think, was he fighting Shamrock? Or? Uh, I, th- I think so because you know every chair shot tends to go to Shamrock so <laughs> yeah probably um, I, I really enjoyed that actually with the, the Rock doing the chair shots with Rook because they're they're still trying to sell it as is it possible he didn't mean that <laughs> and it's so blatant but because of the character the Rock's played it it just kind of works uh, absolutely <laughs> like taking the time to do the eyebrow it's so over the top but it's brilliant yeah. to- totally um, so so the rock taps out we've got a new intercontinental champion um, why does why does Shamrock snap just just because because he's Shamrock yeah starts um, tossing referees about the place and he, think, w- he won't rel- relinquish the ankle lock yeah, will so he? originally he, he won't release the ankle lock and even when the refs like physically pull him off uh, he he goes back to it. He'll he'll shove them out of the way and then apply the ankle lock again. Um, and then I think at at the point that the uh, the announcements made that it was made in a really strange way. Yeah, it's like one, of, one of those Finkel moments where he just shouts someone's name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just shouts and still the Intercontinental Champion, The Rock. He doesn't talk about. It. He then comes back and says the referee has reversed his decision, yep. and it's because Shamrock won't won't release the the ankle lock. But I think from that point onwards, that's when Shamrock maybe starts suplexing all the the refs and officials and things like that. There's a guy in the ring. This is quite random but he's surrounded by referees and Pat Patterson I think and mm-hmm. a random guy in a brown suit and um, all these refs are taking class bumps with the suplex the belly belly suplex and um, this guy in the brown suit is hamming it up to 100% and he gets thrown with a suplex and he doesn't sell it very well and he's rolling about over the shop I always think to myself who is that guy <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. N- uh, never, never seen again. Nah, nah. Tragic. That man was Roman Reigns. <laughs> Unbelievable, but true. Um, just to go back to the way that the Rock's being built here, um, it feels very much to me like a, a sort of highlight of the the roster. Um, he's in. The, I think he's. It's him and Austin are the final two in the Rumble. I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, if if they turned around and pushed him 
right to the top of the card, he would have fit in. You know, yeah. he, would, he would have fit in straight away. There, w- there wouldn't have been any issues, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, his character development, as far as the way that he talks and his mannerisms and all that, um, you can see he's been... Uh, it, it seems like he's been given a lot to do himself and he, he's he's playing with it and I feel yeah. like the character... We've spoke about this before, it's the same as the middle-aged outlaws, like the characters are... They're sort of there before they were there sort of thing and the little bits and pieces are coming out. Yeah, I, I like it. Did you intentionally call the New Age Outlaws the middle-aged outlaws? Oh, no, I didn't. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> unless, you meant, unless you meant our character was really coming out now, which you know, <laughs> it, it's good if you get more used to saying middle-aged than new-aged. I mean, now they are, though they're probably past <laughs> middle-aged. Now. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like he's uh, that the, the little interview they have with that um, Jennifer Flowers. Um, you know, like it, it's it's not by coincidence that they're giving him that sort of uh-huh. platform and, and showing off the character, showing that he can do it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's obviously no coincidence that by the time the, the end of the year comes around, I think he might be champion, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right, because I, I, I remember being really shocked by the timeline being quite as, as short as it is, because, I mean, one of the things we talked about is maybe the, the sort of lack of top tier heels or you know what feels mm-hmm. like a lack of top tier heels um, and you can tell he's he's on his way you know they've they've basically strapped the rocket to him mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but not in one heart <laughs> but um, I've got a really weird image in my head <laughs> but uh, it's I suppose there would have been the the risk you can't just feed him to Austin straight mm-hmm, away mm-hmm. because you know the, the the temptation would be just be for Austin to have a really long run as champion, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about him later. But they they kind of need to protect the Rock to some extent. He, he needs to have his success because um, that that that's going to help build him. Yeah, and this this is this is this is a big sort of shining light for me on, on what they were able to do then and what they aren't able to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Somebody like yeah. Cesaro shows a bit of um, something. They decide they're going to push him. He gets one shot at the title, and then he's not heard of. Um, and imagine that to happen with the Rock, or, yeah. or or with the way that they're building Triple H here. Imagine Triple mm-hmm. H is in the main event, and then back down fighting for the European title or something. That's yeah, especially given uh, such a thin what we're perceiving as quite a thin roster the yep. temptation must be there just to shoot somebody but um, it's all managed really really well mm-hmm. yeah the, th- the thing that I don't know if this is again sort of the perspective that we, we have now I wonder at the time if people expected Farouk to be getting that push um, cause I, I don't. Mm. Yes, Farouk is the leader of the nation, but you don't really see him on the same level as The Rock. But is no. that because of what we know now, rather than what you you knew when you were when you were watching it? Excuse me. Um, if yeah, I suppose uh, y- you've got like because you know we're talking about the feud with Shamrock, and we'd like to see it. We'll see them go again, but obviously this thing with Farouk is is going on, and it, by the time the night after. WrestleMania has happened. He's got the nation on his side. They've turned on Farouk and they've all beat him up. Uh, and The Rock's a bona fide leader. 
um, there has to be something comes from that but um, yeah I just don't feel like Farouk's got that sort of character to be able to carry any sort of programme with the Rock I don't know how, how you feel about that I, I, yeah I, I don't think I would have had much interest in it um, I think I, I could buy Farouk as a leader because you know he's he's a former world champion in WCW um, although whether I knew that at the time that I was watching this originally uh, I'm not sure um, but you know he's they sort of play up the fact that this is somebody you're supposed to respect which is fine that's one thing but it feels like his, his time's gone a little bit mm-hmm. he's, um, it's, it's moved past him and he's been usurped um, yeah and he's to be honest I mean I was never all that enthusiastic for watching any of his matches but I think it would have felt like if if he had a long programme with The Rock or something like that I think that would have just been dragging The Rock's heels a bit from here yeah yeah agreed um, from here I believe we get a Nation of Domination versus I want to say Farouk Shamrock and probably the logical person would be Steve Blackman I think that's yeah. what we get at the next pay-per-view yeah, because in the, in the post-Mania TV, I think it's Rock and Farouk v Shamrock and Blackman. Um, and that's where the, um, the sort of turn, well, not the turn, but the usurping, uh, comes from. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the Rock walking away from the corner and uh, leaving Farouk, Shamrock and Blackman winning the match. I couldn't remember exactly how this played out, so I was watching it and quite quite enjoying it because um, you know what's coming and mm. you, you've known since the start probably um, that the Rock's going to end up taking over the situation. But um, I think when I was watching it at the time, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that the rest of the nation would go with him, whether it would be a split or whatever. But it's uh, it's pretty brutal the way they, they execute it. Yeah. Um, because the rest of the nation look like they're staying with Farouk. He's got the mic, he calls the rock out, tells him to come and get a good ass whooping. Um, <laughs> rock comes down, he does the, the the raised eyebrow, which is the signal to the rest of the nation, and they just uh, attack Farouk. Um, and then you get the, the image of uh, the, the first time with the rock being... At the centre, clearly the leader telling mm-hmm. the rest of them to raise, raise their hands, um, which is good. And it, you know, it's again probably wouldn't know at the time. This is just a vehicle for the Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was all, even though I knew what was coming as I was watching it, I thought it was all pretty well executed. Yeah, agreed. And when you talk about it like that, it does feel like a kind of well, like a demotion for Farouk, but also a promotion for the Rock. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just amazing to watch at this time, knowing what you know. I, I've said, I think I've said this before, but I think I like him best here. Um, but as he goes on, I'll probably change my mind. Yeah, <laughs> and it, if we go into '99 and 2000, I'll probably change my mind as well. So it's a really, I suppose, because it's the start of it. it you maybe think of it, think back of it quite fondly, but the the way he's being. I think it, it maybe is my favourite version of him. Um, he's so full. I think it's because he's so full of himself. 
<laughs> yeah, and at, at the time, there's limited reason for him to uh-huh. do it. Uh-huh. I mean, once he's multi-time world champion and all that, you know, it, don't get me wrong, his, his promos are incredible moving forward, but there's something about this character that I just really like watching. See, and, and just thinking about the um, the evolution of his chair shots, he, he goes from swinging that steel chair at, at Shamrock's face like a baseball bat to to massacring Mick Foley <laughs> in front of his children within oh. the space of about nine or ten months. So, wow, it's good right. to see some improvement. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's probably the biggest criticism of his career. That's <laughs> horrible. Really? Uh, uh, yeah. And every single time somebody goes for him, he gets his hand up. Hand, <laughs> yeah. The hand goes up. I've, I've heard some debate about this on, I think, various podcasts and, and things like that. If somebody's swinging a chair towards you, the absolute natural thing in a real-life situation is to try and get your hands in front of your face. <laughs> so it doesn't make things look... Fake. It makes it look more real. Mm. You've obviously never been to Lion's Den, Adam. That's how you get. Your, that's how you get your lunch. <laughs> Just uh, what's, what's Shamrock's dad called again? The, the, the adoptive is it? It's not Bob Shamrock, is it? Um, Let's call him Bob. Um, Bob. Bob, Sh- Bob Shamrock wildly s- swinging <laughs> steel chairs at, at young guys' heads that want to be wrestlers because they want a sandwich. <laughs> I, I don't know why this made me think of this, but have you ever heard JR's impression of Stu Hart? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. It you sounds like the kind of thing that would have stayed with me. <laughs> you need to listen. You need to hear it. <laughs> oh, tears. Absolutely. It's just fucking creepy once once we finish I, I am going to now look for that and yeah especially you know you know he goes on these quotes uh, you know like Conrad will ask him what the weather's been like and he ends up mm-hmm. talking about the youth of today and <laughs> yeah. s- screaming in his microphone he, um, he's like what, what what was it? He was he was supposed to be somewhere to interview Brett and Brett's apparently notorious for um, being late for for things and he ended up in the dungeon with Stu Hart for like 45 <laughs> minutes and he's like telling him that he's just about to pass out and stuff like that so he's <laughs> he's supremely annoyed and he's he's doing his uh, JR foaming stick about it but also doing this Stu Hart impression so I urge okay. you to listen to look that up and listen to it it's amazing uh, I'm gonna have to yeah I don't know how we ended up on that but um <laughs> Like just, just I suppose whilst we're talking about the Rock and the Nation, just a sort of quick word on Shamrock. Um, yeah. How do you feel about where he's placed and and where he might could possibly go? So at, at the time, I uh, I really liked the character. Um, I thought he, as the what did they reduce to refer to him as? Was it the most well, dangerous? The world's man? most dangerous man. World's most dangerous man. And this guy that did seem capable of beating anyone and everyone. Um, I used to question why he was never in, I'm not saying have a run as champion, but even really in the picture for for a world title, because mm-hmm. he, he did seem like this guy that they built as, he, he can beat anyone. 
Um, I think probably held him a little bit back was lack of ability to deliver promos. Mm-hmm. Or I certainly see it that way because they never, they never really asked him to do it. But I assume that was because they they didn't feel he would have been able to put himself over the way they wanted to. But um, I liked him against The Rock. I think, like you mentioned, they had good chemistry together. I think I always felt after this, he just kind of faded into the background yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I kind of wish they'd tried to make a bit more of him. Yeah, I think he... I agree with you. I feel like he, he's he got that credibility that um, surely it wouldn't have been shocking to see him challenging... Like maybe him, I, I think him and Shawn Michaels did have a match at the that mm-hmm. Generation X in your house, but um, not shocking to see him being able to to step up and, and challenge. If it, especially if you talk about his UFC and um, his credentials fighting in Japan and, and things like that. So um, I feel a bit like you. Like I was just thinking, you know, like we've we've talked about Cornette being involved in that NWA angle. Um, stick Cornette with him, have him speak for him. Have him playing the I'll calm him down when he's snapping sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Probably a miss, a, another missed opportunity. I feel the same. As, he's, he almost sort of fades fades away here. He's, he's always round about the sort of intercontinental yeah. uh, matches, like the Val Venus and um, others that are round about there. But yeah, there was, there was never, you never really thought. He's going to. He's he's one of the. You know, you can see Triple H and The Rock, um, and others like that moving up the way, but you can never really see that with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see where he goes. He's probably going to get pulled into this nation and um, uh, Farouk and Rock stuff. But we'll yeah. see, see where it ends up. Okay. Um, I think next logical step is Undertaker and Kane. Yep. Do you agree? I do. There are a few of the other things run together, so I think that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, Yeah, you want to hit us with some Undertaker and Kane background? Yeah, so, um, like we we touched on earlier, Undertaker is just out of the the title picture, really. He'd had a a run of a few matches against uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, There was a casket match. There was the Hell in a Cell match, which really brought that programme to an end because that's where we got the introduction of Kane. So we had um, Paul Bearer who had been threatening uh, The Undertaker with a, a surprise. Um, Undertaker had basically ditched Paul Bearer, which he wasn't very pleased about. Um, and this is Paul Bearer trying to get his revenge by introducing the Kane character. Um, I can't remember exactly in the timeline where he has yet threatened to expose the secret about the fact that it was apparently Undertaker who set the fire which killed his parents and um, forever scarred Kane. Um, so that, that may have already happened in the build-up to this. But regardless, Paul Bearer has introduced Kane, who is the storyline brother of The Undertaker. He is just as big, if not a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and he makes his first appearance at Hell in a Cell, uh, ripping the door off the cell. Um, it's actually a really good you know, intro for a new character. Um, and it was 
a very good tool for moving Undertaker out of the title picture yep. without really hurting him. Yep. Um, and obviously that lets them go in the Stone Cold Steve Austin direction because I don't think... I think Michaels is the guy they would have wanted Austin to take the belt off. I don't think it has quite the same impact if it was Undertaker. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, we have The Undertaker really being reluctant to fight his brother. He he doesn't he doesn't want to fight his his blood, um, but Paul Bearer and uh, Kane Paul Bearer verbally and Kane physically um, keep getting involved in situations with uh, other performers and basically telling Undertaker you know the only way Kane's going to stop attacking everyone else is if you accept the match, um, and Undertaker eventually gives in and agrees so it's we've, we've got a few storylines of it's a little bit much for me some of these some things like uh, Undertaker in a graveyard uh, talking to talking to his parents apologising for what he has to do to Kane um, hold, hold, hold on one second right um, at what point did Paul Bader stop being Undertaker's dad now Somewhere in between, between like when we were children in nineteen ninety eight, clearly. <laughs> but it was yeah. his dad, wasn't he? Well, that that was one of the stories, but I can't remember if that's already been told. Or it must, if, yeah, it must have been if he's talking to his parents' grave. Yeah, what if so this is a different Paul Bearer? That's why he doesn't wear the makeup. Sorry. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think, you know, this is one of those storylines where this would never work if it wasn't The Undertaker Mm -hmm. or if it wasn't featuring The Undertaker. I mean, we've lived through plenty with The Fiend, uh, Bray Wyatt and all that. Um, I think you you need... The character needs to be established to such an extent to to work like this. And this is... It's all ludicrous, but... I don't know, it, it, it kind of works. Um, do, do you think a, a, a seven-foot man standing pointing at things in, a, in an arena <laughs> and them blowing up is ludicrous, Adam? A little bit, but I'm willing to let myself get dragged <laughs> in by it. Um, and I think the thing is, you know, we, we went through... I remember the years where anyone huge was Undertaker's opponent, <laughs> you know, and they didn't... They couldn't work. The vast majority of I mean, Giant Gonzalez and people like that, King Kong Bundy, it the, it was terrible. What? But Kane was actually a pretty good athlete. You know, he could move and they could take bumps for each other and it was pretty realistic because mm. these huge guys were a similar size. Um, and I thought that, you know, they, they got pretty good matches out of each other, although... I just looked at my notes and remembered the direction we're heading in with the Inferno match after the main mm-hmm. match. But yep. um, yeah, that's that's again. <laughs> I don't know who came up with it, but <sighs> yeah, it's it's a it's a bit crazy that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I do I do enjoy the storyline because you know. It's two brothers. Oh, did you ever hear the thing? Vin- Vince McMahon believes brothers would never fight, so he hated ever having brothers fight each other. Eh? Yeah, this has been said on many, many a podcast. He 
Didn't Vince fall out with his brother? Yeah, apparently he didn't speak for years. Rod, Rod McMahon? Was it Rod? Yeah, it could have been. Um, yeah, no, it's apparently a thing. He, he hates brother v brother. He, he's not into that story at all. Um, we could probably list a, a high number of brother v brother <laughs> matches that, that they've booked. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's bizarre. Uh, Apparently he needs to be talked round or talked into them. He doesn't like the narrative. Uh, apparently Vince didn't know what a burrito was either, so, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that that's really background of where we are, and I believe, you know, Mania's their first ever match between the two of them. Um, and that's, you know, they go on to have so many, but um, it's quite a big thing. The, that being their first ever match I don't remember it being a spectacular match I do remember uh, Pete Rose coming out <laughs> and cutting a heel promo and then this this it's the a proper dynamics, heel promo it, it like really it, is as good a heel promo as you'll see it, it really is and then heel Kane comes out and destroys him yeah, and they love it the fans absolutely love it yeah um, and I wondered if there was any concern about that I mean could the fans because of that be a little bit more sympathetic to Kane once the match starts um, which isn't something they would want I wouldn't have thought I, I think but because yeah. they've had him coming out and destroying random people that it's all part of the yeah, sort of he, he doesn't care mm-hmm. who the person is mm-hmm. um, it's all a means to an end for him I suppose yeah um, so yeah they they have their match at Mania which you know obviously Undertaker wins because he's gonna hold that uh, Mania winning run for quite some time um, he had his really long entrance with the Druids and all that um, yeah and so, something oh. that you, you've never mentioned as, as part of this sort of build up is the um Undertaker and Shawn Michaels have quite a fun casket match at the Royal Rumble and again Kane and Paul Bearer interrupt it and um, put Undertaker in the casket did, did it interrupt it or is it afterwards it's one of the two uh, I think you know, M- Michaels wins the match I can't remember if they I think they do, I think they play a part in getting them in then Michaels close the, closes the lid and, be, and then they set Undertaker on fire and yeah. Kane gives them the victory V's um, and an Undertaker's rarely seen um, for for much this build up to WrestleMania really. Yeah. Uh, because of that and, and that's when we get Kane standing in the in the middle of the ring pointing at things in the arena and them blown up. Yeah. Um but like you say, I think because it's the Undertaker you kind of just put it into this wee compartment in your brain that's like, well this is this is part of that, so it's okay. Um, whereas yeah. if you had Kurgan or whatever his name was standing doing that, you'd just be like, what? What? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is funny the way the brain works with all that. That just there's something there that tells you it's fine because <laughs> it's the Undertaker. Yeah. Um, the, the, they've done a really good job of building Kane, and obviously Undertaker's part of that, the way that he's put him over. Um, Kane's an absolute literally a monster Uh, he takes three tombstones it takes three tombstones to put him away and and even on he he kicks out at three three and a half Um, so we're not done with this yet clearly and like you said we're we're going to Unforgiven for the Inferno match Um, from there 
I don't remember where things go at all. I do know that there's a really good Undertaker versus Stone Cold match at SummerSlam this year. Um, but right. I, ca- I can't remember yeah. where else we go from there. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're, we've talked multiple times about being a, a thin roster and um, there being a bit of a lack of heels for yeah. for a new champion. Uh, there's no there's no real line um, of potential matchups for him. I don't think so. I was thinking about Kane and how how Kane arguably would be one one of if not the top heel um, yeah. on the sort of on the card. And then yeah. the, the, sorry, go on. Um, apparently the um, the Inferno match thing. Now I was trying to think about the timeline, but. Uh, Vince Russo must have still been very heavily influencing a lot of the booking I think or or have started to heavily influence it Um, apparently this idea of an inferno match was mentioned in you know a booking committee room or wherever um, and Vince was like ah an inferno match (laughs) I love it and nobody ever gave any explanation of what it was what it or how it was going to work or how somebody was going to win or how they could save or anything like that but basically left the room and, and the, the, the the creative people were like ah we have to figure out how what, we're going to actually this? yeah <laughs> yeah this is a really not interesting tidbit at all um, but I can remember my cousin and I playing through either No Mercy or WrestleMania 2000 on the N64 because we dread that if you win the title with Undertaker and then defend it however many times that Kane will then show up and challenge you to an Inferno match and we could not wait to see what an Inferno match looked like on the N64 so we did it and we um, we defended the title like five times or whatever it was and it never happened oh. and it, it literally cost us hours and days so I cannot wait to watch that Inferno match. Do you remember watching it? Um, yeah, I do. I just remember being a little bit underwhelmed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because it's like... it's It, it looks so controlled. Like, the, the flames, and it has to be, you know. <laughs> obviously, it has to be. In real life, you, you couldn't do it any other way. But I remember being like, ugh. They should add... They should add um, James Hetfield be the guest referee. <laughs> or Michael oh, Jackson, for that matter. That would be amazing. <laughs> they would have had to splurge on Michael Jackson. Not the first time splurge and Michael Jackson has been said in the same sentence, I don't... Yep. Anyway, where do, where do we end up going on these weird... <laughs> I, I, I feel like when you say we, you know, that's uh, <laughs> taking some liberties. My bad. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so the thing I was thinking about Kane, as far as uh, a top heel is concerned, is, is he's portrayed as this monster. We don't know very much about him apart from the fact that he's here to seek revenge on the Undertaker. Um, yeah. It doesn't make sense for the night after WrestleMania for Kane to come out and attack Stone Cold and Paul Bearer yeah. say he wants the title. It doesn't like a person, um, a monster that we're he's being portrayed as doesn't really care about the title. Yeah, yeah, no, um, that, I, I agree with that. So again, 
it's quite sensible booking as far as keeping away for the title. Although I, I think I can remember King of the Ring. We get a first blood match between Austin and and Kane, don't we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, at this point in time, temptation might have been we're really short as Shawn Michaels is is done as far as as far as we know. Yeah. Who can we sort of throw in there? But um, mm-hmm. again, they've kept their their powder dry, as you like to say, and we, we've got another good character being built. Yep, definitely. Um, anything else you want to jump in about about Undertaker and Kane and 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 where they go? No, I don't think going? so. I think I think what you know coming out of this is that regardless of the sort of individual storylines, and you know they both have elements with with Austin coming up and things like that. I think you know that this is going to be a very long-running situation between the two of them. Um, And I think, certainly from memory, I remember thinking, well, I'm I'm all right with that, Mm. actually, because we've only seen one match. This feels like it can be the beginning. We talk about the WrestleMania being like the, you know, the the season finale. Mm -hmm. Um, But it still really feels like this has legitimate legs, like they're not flogging anything by keeping this going for for a while. Um, I know, obviously, it ended up going on for years and years, and after uh, you know a, a year or so of not working together, they would have some sort of co- collision or team for a wee bit and then break up and things like that. So, yeah, they're they're, they're forever going to be in each other's careers, really. Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially you're talking about them being brothers and, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. It makes sense for them to kind of be interwoven. Um, yeah. The only thing that I that I had a slight issue with was like how did I'll, I'll be interested to see how they separate them mm-hmm. um, because, like we said before, Kane's sort of existence in this world is the Undertaker. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like it's almost a bit like a Joker and, and Batman, and without without Batman. The Joker doesn't really have a, a sort of reason to be, and, and yeah. like you might get yourself in a position where Kane's a bit like that, and is there mm-hmm. appetite to see him really being involved with anybody else? But like, obviously, he, he's had as, as long a career as anybody, and, and clearly, they did a really good job of um, negating that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see where his character goes. I like, mm-hmm. I do like Kane. Um, okay, doc. Shall we go to? With, uh, shall we go to DX and Triple H and, and the Outlaws? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So this is all, all a bit jumbled. Do you want to have a bash at pulling it all together as far as... I suppose start with Triple H and we can we can chuck yeah. the Outlaws in, I suppose. Eh? Yeah, that's fine. I'll try if I end up jumping a little bit. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, I think we, we mentioned just before we started that a lot of this is so interwoven. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking across the three shows, the end point is pretty different for, for a few of them than, than where we start. Um, so yeah, Triple H we've, we've got who is he's very much, you know, second in DX. He, you've got Michaels as the leader, you've got Triple H as um, his... You know, his Robin. Sidekick, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's being built as a single star, but he's not there yet. Um, we talked about the, the fact he's got an ongoing programme with Owen Hart. Some of that involves, you know, Shawn Michaels getting involved and things like that. A lot of the promos that they deliver between them as DX, you get 
that they'll both say their piece and direct it at whoever they're uh, in the program with at yeah. that moment. So that's obviously. Um, like we mentioned, it's Owen Hart for Triple H. Michaels is talking a bit more about Austin and, you know, a few other bits and pieces here and there. Um, so, yeah, he's, it, it feels like he's, he's slowly elevating Triple H. Um, he has his media match, which we've, which we've talked about from the, the Owen Hart point of view, but I think uh, most people would have been thinking at the end of WrestleMania, uh, where, where does Triple H go from there, really? Yep. Um, he has, without going into too much detail on the Shawn Michaels thing at this stage, um, Shawn Michaels is gone once this event's over. He's, well, I, I don't know if we ever thought he would be back or if mm. we knew if we would see him again. So Triple H finds himself in a bit of a situation where he has to take control, um, which... He starts on the post-Raw, post-Mania Raw. Um, so he's still got China aligned with him. Um, that, that, that bond is still strong at that stage. Um, and he, he teases that he has a, a major announcement that, that is going to, to be shaking the, the, the WWE. So um, from there... We get. Uh, I thought it was actually a, a, a really good promo by Triple H on the Raw after um, mm -hmm. one of the the moments I remembered from the show uh, before before watching it was he he, he talks about um, forming an army. He talks about looking for for his blood. Uh, yeah, actually, the, the reference the click. Uh, I thought that was interesting as well. I was quite shocked. Yeah. So. Obviously, it's, it's not something you've ever really heard them referred to on screen. Um, it's what they were referred to behind the scenes, uh, referred to as behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, we've, we've, we have um, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, come out on the Raw after WrestleMania. And uh, they're, they're selling it as quite a big deal. I'll be honest, at, at the time I watched it, I don't think I thought it was a massive deal. <laughs> um, I remember thinking, oh, that's one, two, three kid, you know. Um, <laughs> he, he was always thought of as a good worker and all that. Um, I don't think I thought this guy can replace Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. I, I, it just, to me, felt a bit less than I noticed the announcers are, are trying to put it over a bit as it's coming although there's some derision from JR uh, because they are still a heel group uh, DX yep. they are getting cheers a lot of the things uh, Triple H says and a few catchphrases that have started to come into things and the crotch chops and things like that they do get a decent reaction from the crowd so they, they've kind of gone into cool heel category yeah um and then we've got uh, X-Pac delivering quite a promo. Let's talk um, about this promo. Yeah. It's amazing. This is Did, amazing. Sorry, go on. Was this fresh in your mind? Did you remember how this went before you rewatched it? I, I remember. I knew that he called it Hogan. And I knew that he said something about his head being up Bischoff's ass. Yeah. that's. I don't remember him talking about Nash and Hall and saying that they were held... Was he saying yeah. they've been held hostage by Eric Bischoff or something like that? Yeah. So, uh, X-Pac has been fired 
by WCW while injured. Um, I think it takes a wee while for him to actually wrestle, uh, rejoining because I think he's still. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Do, um, do you know why he was fired? I'm sure I have known at a point, but it's not springing to mind right now. It's surprising. It must have been something, you know, like there must have been a legit reason because obviously he's in. He's in with the boys that are basically running yeah. things in WCW as far as um, yeah. the clicks concerned in the NWO. Yeah, I think I, I think um, I think he was annoyed at the time that he was fired while injured. You know, similar to what we've heard about happening to Austin at a point. Mm-hmm. Basically, sat at home recovering and gets a, a package delivered or something. It's got his papers and all that in it. Uh, I think similar happened to to uh, Expat, which is a bit of a shock. Like you say, given who his friends are and how close he is, and they're shouting him out on TV. They've got the, they've got everybody wearing the six pack uh, t-shirts yeah. on on when they're on yeah. uh, Nitro. Or and there was obviously a, a derogatory comment from Hogan uh, about X Pac because he he definitely picks up on that. Um, yeah, I I don't know if this is just one of these situations where they basically gave him the mic and said, "Say you know, say what's on your mind." Um, it definitely it, looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it felt like it, and it it felt like that. It, we talk about you know the the word that's used a lot of the time is attitude, um, and he basically just seems like a a guy who's really pissed off and wants to come in and make an impact, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you know, and I th- again at this stage I don't know who would have known whether it's just what they call you know the smart fans. Uh, smart marks who would have known that he was real life friends with Triple H they were all in the group together it probably is generally known mm-hmm. um, and it it made, it makes sense when we get there because obviously we have another element of this to talk about I do remember the first thing that went through my mind is Triple H and X-Pac isn't as strong as Triple H and Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. it, 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 it felt weaker now the positions have changed X-Pac is you know, now he he's he's there to be effectively in the kind of role Triple H Triple was H. filling. Yeah. He's the sidekick. Yeah. Um, Triple H is going to be the leader, and that comes across pretty strong uh, in the promo as well. He kind of buries Michaels a little bit, um, yeah. yep. Triple H. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like he needed to do that um, yeah. to establish himself, really. I like the way that they did that about, you know, he was in his... I asked him time and time again is Tyson definitely on side is he a lock mm-hmm. he dropped the ball I think is the phrase that he uses about yeah. Michaels um, yeah. I think if maybe if Michaels had been in a better state of mind and maybe state of body they could have done that a lot more impactful they could have had Triple H turn on him yeah. uh, on that row and that yeah. could have been his signal to go away uh-huh. Um but that's just obviously that's hypothetical booking and pine the sky. Um, yeah. It was uh, it's a little bit sort of under um, undersold. I think that you know, like I, I think watching it, we all know that this is Michael's going away. So yeah. So the, the question isn't really there, but maybe at the time you're a bit like, so where's Shawn Michaels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, now that you've said that I think that would have been amazing you know if if Michaels had been able to be there the next night and if he'd talked about you know being screwed by Tyson and stuff like that and you could have had Triple H almost taking a 
you know, this was on you, enough's enough, you, you screwed up, I'm done, I need to take control type mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. that 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 would have been really good. I know, I think, talking real life, um, Michaels, I think, does come back in different roles, like he's there as a commissioner in a few months, I think, um, but I think he was having a lot of problems around this time and uh, they kept wanting him to go away for a while because mm-hmm. um, he, I think his, his addictions and things like that had become quite a big problem um, and pro- I, I think it was probably more than anything relief that he gets through the Mania match um, yep. but yeah we've uh, we've sort of got the set up here and I think we're left believing that Triple H, X-Pac and China are the new DX which makes what comes later a sort of pleasant surprise Well, I think they talk about recruiting and I think because later on JR sort of does the um, he does the Bobby Heenan and and Heenan says but whose side is he on JR does a bit of a and who's going to be, you know, like, who's going to be ah, the, right, the next okay. members of, of DX? Yeah. And it's like, well, nobody's talking about DX, JR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flaming cock tease. Um, but, aye, I think, I think they talk, like, you know, you talked about building an army. Um, yeah. I think they're talking about recruiting, and it's almost in a, uh, it made me think about NWO um, and what they were doing on WCW. To, to a point of it almost aping what they were doing yeah. um, that's what I thought about um, you know you talked about X-Pac and Triple H is not the same as Triple H and Shawn Michaels but yeah. I think with this promo this promo alone Triple H sort of levels up a little bit yeah it felt like it and I think the way I felt watching it when X-Pac comes out I didn't feel the same at the end of it, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought, well, that was pretty powerful, and it felt big. It felt like a big moment, um, and I, I, I was still probably left a little bit like, well, with these two plus China, can they can they dominate? Can they uh, dominate in the same way that they did? Because Triple H had never felt like a world title guy. Mm-hmm. He'd he'd been, you know, his European champion here. And it's still a little while before he, he gets to world champion champion level, but within you know this promo and then you know adding a little bit to it week by week, he, he's feeling more and more like a star. Definitely, you know, as as each episode goes, really. And I think oh, we'll we'll move on to sort of the formation, of D, the reformation of DX, I suppose. But for a little bit further down the line, as part of this, uh, these next few months, we get. A rock Triple H program, I believe, for the Intercontinental Champion yeah. Championship, and that's where you see both of them. Where you think like this could be, this could be like for the title. This could be the next sort of, sort of level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, let's 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 not go. I was going to say something else there, but let's let's not go any further. We'll, we'll talk about the Outlaws. Um, so, like up to this point, the Outlaws have been indirectly involved with DX and the sort of um, a, a, an informal part of DX sort of thing where they're, they've been helping Michaels and Triple H out uh, they, I think Michaels and Triple H sort of helped them with the, the Legion of Doom 
um, yeah. at the back end in 97 they stuck them through the tables and that led to their match with them at the Royal Rumble which was questionable um, but, but the outlaws are very much the, the new age outlaws are very much <laughs> in the sort of same I view them the same as the rock in that they're they're their characters before they've become their characters, and uh, yeah. they're they're getting really good heat. They're doing all the sort of sports teams, getting all the sports teams heat, um, and they're involved in a really good. I, I really like the dumpster match at WrestleMania. How do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I think I've I've probably gained a little bit more appreciation for it. Rewatching it, um, I thought it was well done and cleverly done but I think also at the time I first watched it I maybe didn't have the appreciation of um, James or Charlie because <laughs> um, he you know Terry Funk just basically comes in as this old guy who is referenced as having been you know other places and been a big success uh, but when I've gone back and, and watched some really old WCW stuff and you see how, how big a star he actually was mm-hmm. um Cactus Jack, uh, you know, when he he's the mankind as he goes through the, the, the mankind character and, you know, the, the dude love character and things like that, he feels like he became more as he went. So I think going back and watching it now, I've just got a little bit more appreciation for the whole thing. And some of the stuff that Terry Funk's doing, I think we, we've mentioned before, he's in his 50s round about here, isn't he? Yeah, he must be. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff he does in, in that match, and like Foley's just throwing himself about into dumpsters yeah. and, and all that, it's just ridiculous. But it's a fun match, I think. Um, and, and the outlaws kind of heal it up, uh, and, and they make it sort of fun to watch. Um, so, so they drop the titles, and I think they say that they, uh, there's a kind of... A legal loophole that the Outlaws have managed to get a rematch because they didn't use the dumpster that was at the side of the ring yeah. because they ended up going backstage and all that and they used a different dumpster so the Outlaws have got a, a rematch against uh, Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack and um, if you'd looked at your TV you know that way where you're like oh, there's only three minutes left like nothing much is going to happen here uh, they get straight into it um, they get straight into it. They've uh, pretty much t- a couple of minutes in, an X-Pack straight out smashing Mankind uh, with a chair as he's trying to leave. Mankind, Cactus Jack, with a with chair as he's trying to leave. They've got Terry Funk hanging with a chain across his neck um, on one of the ropes, and Triple H and China and, and X-Pack are in the ring, and um, it slowly dawns on JR and King that that, you know, as Billy Guns doing suck it for about the four hundredth <laughs> time, that the outlaws are now part of DX. Yeah, it, it, it really slowly dawns on Jr. <laughs> I mean, I mean, King's referencing it. He's basically saying it. And uh, if Jr.'s been the guy earlier who's you know saying the word recruitment and things like that, and he's not quite picking up on it, that's that's a bit of a worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like I think it's just before the match starts or something like that. He, he says something like, "But who, but who who else is going to be the newest recruits to DX or something like that?" Right. Um, yeah, I, I loved this at the time because, like you mentioned, the the outlaws were were over, and they were a good fit. It, it made sense. I think. Um, they maybe didn't need it but I think it worked for what DX became Mm -hmm. and it's actually 
although it's not the first incarnation, it's the one I think of most. Yeah, me too. Like, if somebody says DX, this this is what I think of, because I think of things like, you know, they're going to go on to to do the the tank invasion of the WCW uh, building, uh, whatever event they're hosting. Um, they're going to do the imitation of the uh, nation. Um, Know, things that might not be too politically correct now. Questionable uh, these days. I, I, I believe yeah. that those um, episodes have been taken uh, taken off Peacock anyway. I don't I don't know about okay. our okay. version of the network. But yeah, that that's all the kind of stuff I sort of think about when I think DX, mm-hmm. and it's this incarnation of them. Yeah, yeah, I love I love the outlaws, especially as part of DX. Like you say, they, they feel like they just fit, and again, I feel like it kind of levels them up from sort of these guys look like they've got a bit of potential to like almost like sort of top tier talent although in the tag team yeah. division yeah um, and knowing that Legion of Doom 2000 I think they're called LOD 2000 won that battle royal at WrestleMania 14 will mm-hmm. be getting outlaws hopefully getting their shovels out and finally burying the carcasses <laughs> of what remains of Animal and Hawk at the next pay-per-view yeah, because it, it felt like for for a while leading into this, the whole thing about the New Age Outlaws was, you know, the young, fresh team. Um, mm-hmm. And almost like they were intentionally targeting some of the veteran mm-hmm. teams to, to try and get rid of them. Um, which, again, I like. It, it just, it, it, it works for me. Um but yeah, they've they've they're going to have that program coming up, um, and you mentioned where where Triple H is going. Kind of, it still feels like a jump, even though it's European intercontinental. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not world title level, but it, intercontinental always felt like the one closest to it, closest to world title. Yeah, so going to say about the outlaws there. Yeah, I like it's a, it's all. There is a, a lot of similarities between them and the Rock because that their heels—they're not chicken shit heels like you were saying about the Rock. They're not always cheating and running away. That mm-hmm. they're they're physically dominating. You mm-hmm. know, like they 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 beat up the Legion of Doom. They beat up Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack, um, yeah. both in in that WrestleMania match and obviously here. Um, I, I think, yeah, this is it. For me, this is a, a, a sort of iconic moment on Raw, um, the formation of this new version of DX, uh, yeah. and it's one that's stuck in my mind for a long time. Yeah, agreed. Um, the, the, the only thing I was going to say is, is, again, it's just difficult to see where this group goes as far as who they're challenging. Obviously, they've just they've, they've left their mark on on Foley and Funk. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was watching Triple H, Pedigree and Cactus Jack, you're kind of thinking, is that where this goes to, to a Foley Triple H um, programme? Because obviously we know what happens in around about 2000, they have an amazing programme. Um, yeah. And that, for me, would make sense, but it's obviously not the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I suppose we know. Like you said, X Pac doesn't wrestle for a while. Triple H is, fight, uh, is, is continuing his feud with Owen Hart, and they'll take that into Owen Hart joining the nation and, and DX go from being a sort of um, cheeky heel 
squad to face. Yeah. Um, and like you say, with the whole WCW invasion and, and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good memories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from so from a new DX member to a, a previous DX member. Yeah. Um, so we're going to Shawn Michaels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've we've actually covered quite a bit, um, just in terms of speaking about others because we mentioned the fact he he got the belt at the uh, screw job mm-hmm. at the Survivor Series. Um, and his main programme since then has really been with Undertaker. Yeah. Um, and he's had some brutal matches, but he, he's that champion that just always seems to kind of survive. Um, he ends up with the bell, even if the, the odds are stacked against him. Um, and I remember it, when I was watching this, I was going to say I was a youngster, but, you know, I've mm-hmm. been, what, 17, something <laughs> like that. Um, but I remember watching it and thinking, he, he's definitely going to lose it this time. You know, it's it's Undertaker in a cell or it's mm-hmm. Undertaker in a casket match. Yeah. He's definitely going to lose this time, um, but obviously the plan was he keeps it, and then Undertaker pivots to another story. So um, we we know John Michaels is is the leader of DX. Um, they're they're pretty popular. Sort of touched on it before. They're kind of immature, um, smart mouth frat hockey. boys. Yeah. Uh, and they, they play up to that. I don't think I minded it at the time. I mean, some of the reincarnations when they're like, you know, mid forties or whatever, <laughs> and it, it gets a little bit old when you're when you're doing it then. But it kind of worked for for who they were. They're they're anti-authority. You know, they've they've had their issues with. I remember a lot of them with uh, Sergeant Slaughter, um, like when he's shouting at them and they put on the face guard thing. That's so that great. Not, but yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's to be honest, he he himself isn't delivering the best promos. I think we've talked about that mm-hmm. uh, on this, but he's got Triple H with him, who who is delivering pretty good ones at yeah, this point. I, I was thinking about that, and he's almost making Triple H look really, really good. Yeah, be- because Triple H is is able to be that um, that sort of you know you know you're getting Michaels is monotonous forever, and then. <laughs> Triple H will spit a couple of lines and it's like you get some sort of comedic um, mm-hmm. uplift from, from Michaels and uh, yeah. he's almost, he's helping Triple H get over a little bit. Yeah. Um, what we also know uh, in real life here is that Michaels has destroyed his back um, in that casket match against Undertaker. Uh, that fall over the ropes where he just clips the edge of the casket mm-hmm. um, so we we don't have Michaels at the, the pre-mania pay-per-view, I've forgotten its name is that the no, we out, Texas, Texas yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's not active on that they're, they're just trying to protect him in the hope he can get through the mania match where, where they're obviously going to switch the title and, and crown Austin um, and, you know he's, it must have been incredibly difficult in a few different ways because you're not only injured and hurt but you you must be aware at this point you, you're just no longer the guy hmm. um, you know that you're you're going to be making the guy and I've heard some stories about the character he was at the time and some people being not totally sure he was going to do business 
Um, there was a story about Undertaker, apparently, um, giving him a warning and then standing in the gorilla position. Um, Wrapping his hands. Yeah, just in case anything wasn't going to go the way it was supposed to. Um, just as a, a, Shawn Michaels must be some some fighter if he could get past Stone Cold and Mike Tyson <laughs> for the Undertaker <laughs> to meet him. Yeah. So, missed his calling. So yeah, he's um, he's. I, I when I look back, it's it probably is the best thing that could have ever happened to him. The fact that he got the injury and he wasn't going to be able to to continue active because I assume if it had gone on too much longer. Uh, it could have ended pretty badly mm-hmm. for him because mm-hmm. uh, I think there was a lot of drug abuse and things like that at the time. I think um, looking back, he doesn't look good, does he? No. Um, yeah, you, and you can see it in his face, mm-hmm. and he's kind of you know. There's quite a few points where you look and you think that almost like lights are on, but nobody's home mm-hmm. type situation. Um, so we've what we've had uh, added into the mix for the match is uh, Mike Tyson who. I think was at Rumble he first appeared at and then we had that good uh, angle between him and Austin on a Raw uh, just after the Rumble I think mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we know that Tyson's going to be special enforcer for the match so basically he's, uh, he's, he's going to be patrolling ringside um, we know he ends up getting a little bit more involved in that um, and he has aligned himself with DX so he's Travelling with them, he's wearing the DX shirt and all that. Um, he's in there for a couple of beatdowns of Austin, um, so we're we're very much going for stack deck against Austin here, um, with uh, Michaels having got Tyson aligned with DX. We we go to the the mania match between the two. Um, it's uh, you know. The, Given the the stories about the pain, discomfort that Michaels must have been in, does a very good job getting through the match. Takes a few bumps, puts Austin over, um, and we're we're going to have the the situation where, like we talked about previously, Michaels loses the belt. Um, Tyson has actually counted the pin incredibly fast. Yep, that's a Nick Patrick uh, count that one. Yeah. Uh, probably just got a bit over over excited, um, and Michael's being furious with Tyson at the end of the match because he thought he was aligned with him. Um, he gets in Tyson's face, delivers a a little little slap to Tyson, and then gets uh, killed. So our our sort of last memory last in ring Michael's experience for quite some time is just him basically flat out having taken the punch from Mike Tyson yep yeah it feels like there's a lot going on on the surface there's a lot going on behind the scenes as well and as times went on I think you've um, done a really good job there of setting it all out but I think as times went on we know more and more and um, even if Michaels didn't have the bad back, it sounds like he needed he needed to take that time away. And um, there, there was a, a press conference or a some sort of press event in advance of WrestleMania. You get you know you, you get that um, photo of Michaels and and mm-hmm. Tyson kissing Austin on the head. Yeah. Um, 
from what I've heard and, and read, uh, Michaels was not up for going out and doing that at all, and it, it took him hours. Took them hours to convince him to to do it. Yeah. Um, as well, when he gets hit with a punch from Tyson, uh, they don't really show it on camera, but I don't think he sells it. Um, oh, it yeah, okay. Sorry, he, he sells it. He sells the punch, but he, he's then smiling on on the ground. Right. Um, and apparently, Austin yeah. was supposed to or Austin or Tyson was supposed to drape the three sixteen. I don't know if he does. One of them puts a three sixteen t shirt over his face, maybe. And okay. uh, Michael's apparently furious about that as well, and and grabs it, and throws it off his face, yeah. um, takes that as disrespect and all this. He's like we we know enough about Michael's. Uh, up to this point about his questionable personality and behaviour and and, yeah. how, um, and and how much that is influenced by uh, drugs and, and whatever mm. else. Um, yeah, I heard I heard quite I, I can't remember what it was on documentary or something like that that um, he also had issues with the the way Triple H spoke the night after. Oh, really. Yeah, he felt like that buried him and uh, didn't speak to him for quite a while. Um, now, I think we can see, and I think eventually once he'd cleaned himself up and sorted himself out, Michaels could see why he had to do that. You know, it, it, it made it so much more, the fact that he did it. But I think at the time, Michaels took a little bit of a, I, I made that guy and he's burying me. How how do I come back now? You know, that kind of thing. Christ. Um, but yeah, he, he was apparently in a pretty bad place at the time and probably not thinking very clearly, really. It's really interesting that between this sort of questionably behaving, drug-addicted egomaniac and Bret Hart that Vince decided to choose yeah. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, because... I mean, I know... Which, which is essentially what they've they've done and what they've had to yeah. do. Uh-huh. And uh, I think they always said that Vince had, a like, a, a father-son relationship with both of them, you know, for, for, for quite a long time. <laughs> and... <so> then, <laughs> All I can hear is JR's impression of Stu Hart now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But, it, yeah, I mean, looking back... I suppose, I don't know how long Brett is actually active, because I know, you know, he gets his his injury, his concussion from Goldberg, but he must still have a bit of a run to go here um, before his, his, his career's basically ended. Yeah. But you would think, looking at the two, and, you, you know, just, I don't know, making a pro and con list for each of them, You'd be thinking there'd be a hell of a lot more in the con column for Michaels than there would have been for Brett. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting decision he made. Maybe it was influenced by the contract, you know, the size of the contract. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's, that all comes into it. Um, in a hypothetical world, which we like to sometimes live in, um, you could have had Brett v Austin rematch from yeah. WrestleMania 13 here. Yeah. Um, and. You know, that's one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history, WrestleMania 13 mm-hmm. submission match that they had. And um, interesting to see what that sort of alternative, alternate universe looks like. Yeah, because, I mean, Brett, everywhere apart from Canada, 
Brett was a heel when he left as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that if it, it needed to be a strong heel champion that Austin took the belt from. So it, it absolutely could have been Brett. It's, it is interesting to think about that. So, so Michael's post-mania um, switched to quickly sort of touch on this and, and you've already spoke about it a little bit. We get him back in various forms. I think now history's been rewritten a little bit in that Shawn Michaels dropped the title at WrestleMania 14 and we didn't see him until 2002 and he came back and he wore brown pants and he um, <laughs> won the Elimination Chamber um, and I think it's, it's pro, you know, like obviously WWE's the ultimate in rewriting history to, to suit themselves but yeah. um, you know, like we get we get him back in I think July time. We get him back on commentary in July. Mm-hmm. You mentioned him being a commissioner. I think around about November time he takes over from Slaughter as commissioner, um, and he, he's in and out and in and out. And uh, you know, like I think around about WrestleMania, I remember him being involved in WrestleMania fifteen. Do I want yeah. to say? Um, yeah. So I. I definitely think history's been rewritten about this guy who had an, a, a, a personality issue and he had the bad back. He, he got himself fixed up and he found God and, and, and he's the greatest guy of all time now. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just not that accurate. Yeah, I, I was just looking at the... Cause I think it's actually the next year he has the back surgery. Right. So it's there's there's quite a... And I don't know if that's just him trying to avoid having it or not accepting that he needs <laughs> to have it um, and I, I remember I think it might have been a JR appearance on a podcast or his own podcast where he's talking about the times they brought him in and things like that and they they wanted to make it work you know they, they wanted to use him um, they figured you know he's, he is a charismatic guy if we can get him on screen and use him in some capacity but I think even with that turning up for commentary or the times he's supposed to be a commissioner. I think there were even times then that they had to send him home, you know, or they wouldn't show him on screen because of the the condition he was in. Um, And that that made them think, well, is it worth it? You Mm -hmm. know, is Mm -hmm. it it worth trying to bring him back? And I think it took him, you know, they talk about... I've read one of his books, actually, and he talks about, you know, you kind of need to hit rock bottom and in an ideal world, the point right at WrestleMania 14 is when he would have hit it, but it took a while. Really? So, um, I think the, you took away the structure of being a performer and an active performer and when somebody that, you know is taking a lot of drugs and things like that doesn't have structure and something to do I think it it can get a lot worse mm. um, so yeah I think think that caused him some issues when was, was it 2002 he came back yeah. I think yeah so there is a a decent sized gap in ring you know actual wrestling um, we're talking what four years or something like that mm-hmm. um, but obviously he he had his second career um, which 
I think he was he was a lot easier for for people to deal with. Um, apart from Hulk Hogan, when they you know can't decide who's supposed to win a match and things like that. But generally speaking, I think he he was a lot more enjoyable for other people to be around uh, when he when he came back. Yeah, I, I do think that that is the that is the kind of impression that we're were given, but I've also seen, I want to say it's RVD I've seen a shoot interview RVD he talks, he's, he's politicking getting mm-hmm. people out of positions that they, they don't need to, that he believes that they shouldn't be in and all that sort of stuff Yeah, I've, I've heard heard a lot about that I think, um, was CM Punk not a victim? It might, it might have been Michaels and Triple H I think um, apparently at times Sitting watching a monitor and saying to quite influential people, "Nah, that guy's not going." He's not going. Yep. Yeah. Or I think at times that guy's dangerous. Mm. You know, things like that as well. Yeah, and again, um, not again. But you know, it's interesting that we've never seen Michaels and The Rock in the same ring together, as far as that sort of dream match that people might have thought. Yeah, um, would be a thing. I think Brett has maybe commented a couple of times that Michaels and Triple H were trying to kill the push yep. early on. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's good. He's, he's, he's an entertaining wrestler, but the more we talk about him, the more I get <laughs> sour taste in my mouth about him. Um, let's jump to our new crown champion, shall we? Yeah. Okay, TSA, Austin, Austin prior to Mania and, and where it came from. Yeah, so Austin, Austin's gone through a, a few things as he's uh, entered WWE. Um, I won't speak too much about the, the Ringmaster uh, situation that he went through. Um, but Wasn't that the name of that X-Pac in China video, the Ringmaster? Oh dear. No, sorry. Oh, I think you're still in holiday mode. <laughs> you're still on a high. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, we've we've had um, Austin go through you know various stages of, of being the heel. We've obviously had him win King of the Ring and do his uh, Austin three sixteen says I just uh, kicked your ass, and then um, sort of the big I think transformation moment for Austin came at the the WrestleMania a year previous to this, where he and uh, Bret Hart had one of the the great matches ever at a. WrestleMania, where they managed to, to do a double turn. Yeah. Um, turning Bret Hart heel and uh, making Austin a babyface. So basically, what they're really playing at is he's a tough guy. He's a regular guy. He's like you or me. Um, he won't quit. He'll do whatever it takes. You know, he doesn't tap out to the sharpshooter. He passes out the blood streaming from his face. Um, that really felt like the, the moment he was made. Um, he has the Intercontinental title run that we, we touched on briefly before, um, but he has moved beyond that, really, which is why he ends up handing off the, the belt to, to The Rock or throwing it in the river. Um, <laughs> he he goes and wins the Royal Rumble, and I remember going into the Rumble match, all the hype was about Austin. Yeah. Yeah. It's really signposted that he is the guy. He is going to win this. Um, 100%. I know when they do that, they don't always follow through, but it uh, it did happen here. Um, the crowd reactions he's getting are amazing, mm-hmm. even at this stage, and they grow even bigger at times. But he's, I mean, I I grew up 
in the Hulk Hogan era, um, you know, buying the videos and, and watching them and things like that. And I, even at his peak, I, I don't remember all that many times Hogan quite got the the same reaction that Austin gets. It, it's it's incredible mm-hmm. when when the when the glass breaks, the the noise. I think you've got a kind of rowdier crowd. Um, yeah, during this, yeah, that's fair. This yeah. era, but like obviously it mirrors Austin's attitude. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. So I I agree with you as far as the crowd reactions are insane. Yeah, um, a lot of you know kids in the the Hogan crowd as well probably aren't shouting the same way that that the Austin ones Stupid are. Stupid edge in the front row. <laughs> um, we've got. Uh, Austin's gone through a, a really good programme with the Hart Foundation as well which, you know, it wasn't just the one match against Brett, some some of that stuff was, was fantastic yeah. Um, and yeah, he's he's the Rumble winner, so he is the guy who gets the title shot at Wrestlemania um, and it, you know it's, you, you'd have to be You'd have to be tuning in for the first time ever, I think, not to realise that he is the guy <laughs> going forward. He's they're, they're going to put it on him. Um, there has, I think, started to be some interaction with McMahon at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, McMahon, who has been basically the on-screen heel uh, character since he gave the the interview in particular after the screw job where yep. he's you know doing his Brett screwed Brett and all that um, so he's he's acknowledged as the owner everyone basically knows he's in charge um, and everyone also is, is given the impression certainly on the, the pre-TV for Mania that McMahon doesn't want Austin as champion um, because he's he's not going to work with him he's not going to change his ways um, they have Slaughter, I think, puts him in an impromptu match against The Rock. Mm. Um, says yeah, like he, the night before Mania. Yeah, um, and before. says that if he if he doesn't compete, his his Mania match will become non-title. Yeah. Um, Austin's given a stunner to poor Slaughter. Right. Um, that guy was just passing the message on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've we've got a, a, a match between Austin and Rock. That's that's quite good fun. Um, but yeah, he's you can be left in no doubt from watching the build to all this. He's he's the guy. He's he is going to be the top of the card star moving forward for the foreseeable future. Um, and I can't. You you've said you've looked ahead, but I can't actually think who he's going to be feuding with in the immediate aftermath. But I do remember looking and thinking, well, that the real feud is Austin McMahon. That's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, but McMahon is not the in-ring performer, so he's going to be having to use some of his people uh, as opponents for Austin, and we know that we, we get to, you know, a few Austin-McMahon exchanges, but we've also got some brilliant runs between Austin and The Rock coming up as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... Um like you say, like I feel like this was since we started watching, um, f- you know, like from prior, you know, the the raw prior to the rumble, like it's been. Well, obviously, we know and we spoke about that when you when you look at things back hindsight hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, however, you, you'd have to be like you say tuning in for the first time to not know that this was the guy that that everything was going on. He was just. 
charisma is off the charts. The crowd are going absolutely mental for him. Um, the way that he performed in the ring, do you remember we were talking about? I can't remember if it was a rumble or if it was a no way no way out pay-per-view but he just mm-hmm. looked really really fast yeah. um, I remember we were quite shocked to see him moving that way mm-hmm. um, he's just above everybody else a bit like what we said about Roman Reigns uh, yeah. in current wrestling he's just so far above everybody else he just has to look at the crowd and they start going absolute bananas mm-hmm. Um and, and with Vince, we, we got those sort of breadcrumbs with the whole, you ruined it, you ruined everything, yeah. uh, when we had the Tyson announcement. And, uh, and, you know, I'd love to know if it was ever planned that it was going to go the way that it went. I'm sure it wasn't, because um, nothing seems to be planned out that long uh, mm. when it comes to wrestling. But the way that... They, 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 you know, they dropped these little breadcrumbs between Austin and McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say sort of flourishes into something that night after WrestleMania, where uh, Vince comes out and gives him the new belt. Austin takes the new belt. Um, Vince tells him it's going to be the easy way, the hard way. Uh, and, and at times, Vince can barely speak because the crowd <laughs> are just going mad for Austin. Yeah, and he even starts giving him about the what. I don't know if you noticed. Uh-huh, I did. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, we, we, we're, we're kind of growing that, um, the chemistry between McMahon and Austin. They obviously knew they had something. Yeah. Uh, but but Vince is, like you've said as well, Vince has be, become, I don't know if at this point we're calling him Mr. McMahon, but he's certainly, he's certainly Mr. McMahon yeah. at this point. Um, yeah. Maybe not quite so sort of devious and um, evil, but he's you know he's, he has Austin arrested the night after WrestleMania, and you know JR saying after twenty, you know he's only been champion twenty four hours and he's been taken away by the police, um, <laughs> and, and Austin ends up phoning in, which is a, a bit corny. <laughs> yeah, I was I was laughing watching that because it is it's, it it is corny, but. I don't know. There's there's something about the whole story and the character. It, it just it just works in ways that the others didn't and don't. There's even when there's the I actually had a memory of uh, an exchange between them where it was a uh, you know we're going to do things the easy way or the hard way. I couldn't have remembered it was here, but but it is. Um, but there's there's an exchange between them where um, he. Austin basically gets McMahon to tell him that that he loves him. That's right. That's that's and, uh, this conversation now. Yeah, and uh, Austin says yeah, after a little bit of exchange and mocking says, "Okay, hot shot, I love you too." And that just <laughs> that just got me. I was laughing at it, and it's it's just such a you know it's a throwaway line. It's nothing, but in the exchanges between these two, it just really works. Aye. Definitely, I like when Vince calls him a swell guy. Yeah. I think you're a swell guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect wording there. I don't even know why. It just <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, okay. So uh, you know, you're talking about where does Austin go for here? Obviously, uh, like you said with the Rock, the rocket is strapped to Austin. He can go wherever he wants. Basically, yeah. um, the only sort of issue the glaring issue that we have is that who who's challenging him now that, that Michaels is out of the picture mm-hmm. um, you might come up, you may have come away from this raw thinking that Triple H is now the number one heel on 
you know, like on the roster. Um, apart from that, we talked about Kane and, and how that doesn't really fit. Um, do you want to know who's who's facing Unforgiven? Yeah, tell me. So, uh, so Triple H obviously smashes up Cactus Jack. Yeah. I assume he goes away for a little bit and Vince brings him back uh, as Dude Love. Okay. Um, so it's Dude Love versus... Stone Cold. I think he only re I think he only comes back the maybe the raw before the pay per view or something like that. Right. Um, and you know you have like Vince. I've re- just randomly recently seen a clip of this. Um, you've got Vince and Foley on the top of the uh, the bit where they come out and there's two girls and they're all dancing together and Austin <laughs> is stood in the ring and he's like biting his tongue and his cheek trying not to laugh. It's really funny. I hope that that's on that go home raw. Um, so I it's awesome. Austin did love. Okay, um, I'm I'm surprised, but I do remember that being a program. So, and it it, it probably is a bit of necessary filler. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it it could be anyone basically, because like you say, Austin's on such a, a streak um, that it it almost doesn't matter coming out of Mania who's opposite him, mm-hmm. but they have a bit of history between them anyway. Um, so there's there's probably a little bit of a natural story to be found there, but um, it's not a name I would have guessed. But I did know that they had a, a program together. Yeah, you like you, you, you kind of need to just a, an ideal situation here would be having five or six candidates and line them up and Austin run through them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's maybe worked in their favour that they don't have that, and that's you know like the the Austin. McMahon storylines come out of that. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about WWF breaking the WCW ratings. Um, the the eighty three weeks that they were consecutively winning the ratings war. The reason it's understood that that WWF ended up breaking that was because Austin and McMahon have a scheduled match on Raw um, right. for the one that breaks it. Okay. Is that the hand tied behind the back thing? Ooh, no idea. Not sure. It might be, yeah. Because um, I remember they, they were scheduled to, and then they replayed some sort of clip where Austin says, I could beat you with a hand tied yeah, behind the back. Okay. So then uh, that that happens, and that might even be where, where Dude Love gets introduced, actually. Mm. I'm sure that'll, that'll all come together. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'm definitely looking forward to watching that. That next pay per view. Yeah. Um, as far as WrestleMania 14 is concerned, um, I think like everything that we've talked about here is perfect sort of evidence base of how pivotal uh, this whole period is and, yeah. w- and was. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, it, there's there's not many there's not many uh, sort of raws that I can think of, or even any kind of shows I can think of where. The, the sort of reset button felt quite as significant as it did mm-hmm. um, it felt like okay here's your main players and uh, these these guys are going to dominate the show they're all going to have their own path they're all going to have their own stories um, and it, it feels like they very quickly went from having a, a huge gap from the top of the card to a few guys that can get there yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely, and uh, King even references 
something about that. He says, "What a night we've what a night we've had. We've got a new leader of the nation. We've got a new formation of DX. We've got a new champion and all that sort of stuff." Yeah, I kind of think of a, another raw after mania that sticks in my mind more than this. C- can you? Yeah. I remember there's been somewhere where, like, one big thing has happened, but not where it feels like three pretty significant things happened all in the one show. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of anything that comes close, to be honest. I'm going to Google. Let's pause for a second. I want to Google. OK, after a very quick Google, we've got Bleacher Reports, Top 10 Best WrestleMania post-WrestleMania WWE Raw moment so Adam let's take a look and see what they've got uh, number 10 Stone Cold Steve Austin Triple H Align 2001 mm, ok like that it's still no better uh, The Rock and John Cena set the date for WrestleMania 28 come on uh. 2011 Goldberg makes his WWE debut 2003 mm. that was after okay. WrestleMania 19 uh, Mankind makes a first impression against Undertaker in 1996. Okay. DX is under new management, as we've just talked about. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior addresses his legions of fans April 2014. Isn't that. Didn't he die oh, the same no. day or like the next yeah, day? Yeah, I, I think it is, yeah. Come on. It was like the next morning or something like that. Number four, Dolph Ziggler becomes world heavyweight. <laughs> okay, aye, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Number three, 2010, Shawn Michaels has left the building. Did he retire after? After yeah, getting beat he, by the Undertaker? His, yeah, he'll have had his match and they probably came out and did a speech or something. Uh, number two, 2012, Brock Lesnar returns. I'm it guessing had, that I, must have been pretty big. That was big, actually, to be fair, but it'll have been the only thing that happened on that show. So that the Rock, the Rock must have beat John Cena the night before and then... Yep. Brock Lesnar came out but that must have been pretty cool yeah um, and number one 2008 Ric Flair retires hmm. I think I'll, I'll stick with this being the, the the best ever post Mania Raw K Bleacher Report <laughs> no <laughs> bad um, I me too oh well that was a that was a lot of fun to yeah. d- to do a sort of different um, way of thinking. It, it, it certainly impacted on the way that I watched it and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, um, that was good. And I think it it solidifies its place in our in our top fives as far as eighties um, and nineties WrestleManias are concerned. Yeah, definitely. Do you think overall where does WrestleMania? I'm just asking you off the top of your head, so apologies, but. Um, you know, like, overall, where do you think it sits? Top five? Yeah. As as a WrestleMania, yes. Um, I think if you look at the whole, like, say the three shows we watched, mm. like, together, it it feels more significant than it does just as the one show. Uh, it's very difficult um, to think about that show and not think about what happens the night after. And yeah, because um, I think... You can you can look at it and say it's a top five mania, which I'm pretty comfortable saying just based on the show itself. But add everything else in, it's maybe the best mm-hmm. uh, sort of. Don't know how to describe it. The the best couple of weeks um, that any 
other top five WrestleMania would have incorporated. I think it, it stands above any of the others. Yeah, no, totally agree. Love it. Who, who knew that um, Sean Waltman would would be up there in our top five moments ever in, in WWF? Yeah. Dropping certainly names. Not, certainly not me at the first time that I saw him come out, but, you know, you, you have to roll with the punches and change your opinions <laughs> as you go. The originator of the pipe bomb. Yeah. X-Pac. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, what's his, uh, do you know, I think it, on, on our last episode I kept calling Joey Styles Jerry Styles. Um, yeah. So, top three pipe bomb, pipe bombers. <laughs> X-Pac, <laughs> Joey Styles, and that other guy. What's his name? <laughs> Phil Brooks. <laughs> Um, the esteemed actor famous. yeah Paul Brooks uh, off, <laughs> off Girl on the Third Floor fame <laughs> so so that's us for March for WWF up next Adam yeah how does this tickle your fancy listen to this uh, I, I, I must admit I've looked at the card listen to oh. this Eddie Guerrero versus Booker T yes Conan versus Juventud Guerrero yes Malenko v Jericho yes DDP versus Raven versus Benoit. Yes. Kevin Nash versus a Giant. Yes. Kurt Henning versus Bret Hart. Yes. Hall v Sting. Yes. Hogan Savage. Yes. And then. There's I noticed no you skipped past one. I, I did didn't I? Yeah. What one? Lex Luger against Scott Steiner. Oh sure, so did. I wasn't sure if you'd deliberately no, done that just no, because I, I might not have said yes. <laughs> There's another match on the card that I wasn't aware of, which I don't think is previously planned. Maybe oh, okay, okay. Is so it maybe a, a Hogan, a Hogan Yokozuna sort of affair? Okay, I, I don't know. I'm um, intrigued because I, I don't. I, I must have seen this at some point, but I don't remember it. There's also a huge promo here. Actually, slipped in between some of these matches. JJ Dillon responds to the giant. Fantastic. Mean Gene is staring at he's managed to escape one of these dorms, these these fraternity houses and he's <laughs> he's staring at him <laughs> with some serious intent. Uh, this I'm looking forward to this. Oh what a show. Yeah. Do you, do you think they're trying to rival WrestleMania with how stark this is, or do you think is it's it, just where the chips I mean, are flown? I, I think we've talked before about the fact they've you know player for player they've got more talent um, they've got more depth this card shows it you know it's Mania was really good for you know the quality that was in there but there's nowhere near the, the depth of talent that there is here no no be interesting to see how it how it um, compares as a standalone card it looks incredible I've now got the fear that like every match there'll be a run in oh god <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the last WCW show we watched, we enjoyed, didn't we? So Aye, we did. Keep, Aye. keep the positive vibes going. What was that again? Was it World Super War Brawl? Oh, Super Brawl, are you right? Aye. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to watch that tonight. Oh. <laughs> then forget everything. And then have and to watch it two. again. Yes, see? <laughs> and then not want to. <laughs> That's WCW. <laughs> Jericho's on there as well. Yeah, Jericho Malenko. Yeah. That's that's potentially a really good match. Yeah, amazing. Okay, we'll see. We'll see in two weeks for that. I'm kind of wait. Awesome. Looking forward to it. 
Um, if you uh, if you enjoyed our take on WrestleMania 14, please hit us up on Instagram at Outlaws Pod. Um, please help me get more than one like whenever we post anything. That would be really appreciated. <laughs> I'm talking at you, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go away and look for a little clip of JR talking to Stu Hart to put it in the podcast. Adam, it's been a pleasure. Yep, really enjoyed this. This was good. Um, and we will speak again in two weeks for Uncensored. Until then, take it easy and uh, see you then for episode 18.